Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Acts chapter 4, if you would, please. Acts chapter 4. In our series of the book of Acts, we'll stand in honor of God's Word here tonight. As we do, we'll read from Acts and chapter number 4. Let's pick up the reading in verse number 13. Our text is going to begin in verse 23. Of course, uh, the lame man had just been healed and people were gathered around to see what that was all about. And they were amazed at it and the, everybody was happy about it except the religious crowd. And the Sadducees were not thrilled about it and other leaders that were there. And they asked Peter, by what authority, by what name do you do this? And that's all it took to get him preaching again. And he told them just exactly what name it was and said how that there's not salvation any other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You can only be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pick up the reading in verse number 13 tonight. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, which would be the Sanhedrin as they were gathered together. And here's what they said in verse 16. What shall we do to these men? For that... Uh, for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they may speak, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word." By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by, thy, by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul... 
neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the the apostles' feet, and distribution was made uh, unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, whose by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which being which uh, being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so when they were confronted here, they asked God for boldness, and they asked God to heal more, and they asked God that they might preach again in the name of Jesus. The thing that caused them trouble is what they prayed that God would cause more to happen. They wanted more of that. Uh, and so they, they said, you know, here we are facing some trouble. Let's just get back to spreading the gospel. And I believe that's a good attitude for you and I here tonight. And I hope to challenge you about that as a church. What should we do when, when we encounter problems, when we encounter trouble? Or what should you do as an individual when you encounter trouble? Well, let's just get back to doing what God told us to do in the first place. Spread the word. Spread the word. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll get into the message tonight. Do you happen to remember your first fight? I'm not talking about your marriage. I'm talking about just uh, as maybe a kid growing up. Remember your first fight and how nervous that made you feel and such. I can still remember mine. Can I share it with you? I was walking home from school. Uh, had to walk home from school as a kid. and Oh, yes. Uphill both ways. and. Anyways, I happened to walk past a, a group of kids playing. I, I guess I was uh, maybe about in the third grade, I want to say, somewhere right in there, and and uh, saw a group of kids playing kickball. And 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 as I crossed by there, I saw that particular play. The kid kicked the ball. He was running. It was a close play at first. The guy threw the kickball, and the first base guy caught it while his foot was on the bag. And then the other guy, the guy that was running the base, he touched. The bag there, so he's clearly out, clearly, clearly out. And so uh, I'm walking by, I'm not playing in the game, but they get into a big scuffle about, I was safe, no, you were out, no, I was safe, no, you were out. And, and so I was just walking by and I thought, hey, you know, actually I saw it and he was out. Well, that's all it took for that guy just to come unglued on me, you know. He was maybe in the fourth grade or fifth grade, just a little bit bigger. And uh, it was it was just about to get on, and then the neighbor came out and saved his life and stopped everything. So, good for that guy, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody, you know, if we're if we're thinking right, we don't like opposition, we don't like confrontation. But and it's and it's not like the apostles; they weren't looking for a fight, they weren't looking for, uh, you know, this uh, encounter and this confrontation with the Sadducees. But they had their first bit of opposition. What are we inclined to do when you have your first bit of opposition? Well, you're inclined either to try to defend yourself, right? And uh, there's a part maybe to that. Or you're inclined to run or try to find the neighbor, one or the other, whatever it might be. But here the church encountered its first bit of opposition. Now that guy, you know, as I was getting into it, 
there with him. He's saying, you know, you need to mind your own business. And as I thought about that, and you might say, well, what connection could you draw to this? That's basically what the Sadducees were saying. Look, this is our territory. These people are a part of our religious system. And who are you to come in here and start preaching the name of Jesus? Who gives you authority to do that? Well, he made the heavens and the earth. I would imagine that gives him a measure of authority. And, but they didn't see it that way. And so the, the uh, first church here, Peter and John in particular, they faced this bit of opposition. And, uh, and I appreciate how they handled it. In fact, I believe there's some lessons that we can learn here. Because as a church, as we continue on in serving the Lord, we're going to face some form of opposition. And as you try to live for God and try to share the gospel, it's inevitable but that you are going to face some type of opposition. And how should you respond to it? Uh, as I mentioned before, this lame man had just been healed, but it was much more than his physical life that was changed. This man was healed by uh, in believing the name of Jesus, and now he's associating with these apostles, and things were changing and changed in his life. And, and this was more than just a simple healing. This was a sign that Jesus was still alive and that Jesus is the Messiah. It was a sign pointing towards that. And that's what upset the Sadducees. Just a little bit of a review here before we get into uh, some of the principles of this chapter. I think that would be a help to us. The Sadducees, they were concerned because attention was being drawn to this man that was just recently healed. And that was upsetting status quo. Here was their line of thinking. If Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, then he's the rightful king of Israel. If he's the rightful king of Israel, then every king ought to have a kingdom. And his kingdom would be set up here in Jerusalem. And that would mean an overthrow of the current Roman occupation. That was their line of thinking. If uh, Rome is overthrown, then we lose our position here within the society as the Sadducees, the, le the leading upper class of the Jews. And as we saw last time that they had these positions granted to them in many ways by the Romans. They were a religious group, but they had very many political ties, and it was, it was uh, politically advantageous for them to hold this relationship with Rome. And so all that was being threatened. So here's what their solution was. That, well, their conclusion was this. We've got to do something to stop this word, this message, before this revolution takes place. That's what they were thinking. So their solution, legislation. Legislation. We're going to legislate and make some new laws. Here was their new law. They haven't broke any laws yet. So let's make a law so that when they do, then we've got them. Okay, and here was their new law. Thou shalt not preach anymore in Jesus' name. That's what they conveyed to them. You're not to do that. They threatened them. The rationale was this. If we can remove their voices, uh, then we can continue on with our life as it is and enjoy our status quo. Let me just make a quick observation here. As our country continues to accept and endorse immoral ways of life, churches like Southwest Baptist Church are going to be upsetting status quo. And preachers who stand for right and churches and church members who stand for right uh, are going to upset status quo. And already in our own nation... Legislation is trying to be passed or has been passed or rulings in uh, agencies that are associated with uh, government and such are saying you cannot pray in Jesus' name. 
and things of that nature. So we, we're already beginning to see some of that. But we shouldn't be surprised. Shouldn't be surprised. But for these apostles, just when things, for this church, just when things were going well, they encountered opposition. What did Peter and John do when they encountered this opposition? Well, they assessed what they believed, what they believed was right, and thus they just continued believing what they believed, and they continued and indicated that they would continue communicating, preaching in his name. We cannot but say what we have seen and what we have heard. We can't afford to back down. This message is way too important for us to keep it to ourselves, whatever regulations are tried to put it, be put against us. That was their thought about it. So how did the church respond? What, what did they do? How, how could we follow their situation? So I want to give you three thoughts here uh, tonight about when you encounter opposition or when we as a church, when we encounter opposition, how we should respond. And I think that these, uh, obviously, they come right out of the text, and I think that they'll be a big help uh, to us here tonight. So number one, when you encounter opposition for the gospel or just really in, in life in general, I believe we could learn some lessons there as well. When you encounter opposition, number one, you should deal with the situation as it is. Deal with the situation as it is. Look at verse 23 and what they did here. And being let go, they went to their own company, to the church, those gathered together there, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And then we'll read on here in just a little bit. But what did they do? Well, when they encountered some opposition, they dealt with the situation as it was. I notice here that they went back and they reported it to the church. Now, let me just throw this in here. Uh, this is a good principle. When you face trouble in life, don't get out of church, stay in church. When they had problems, they went right back to the church and let the church know what was going on. They weren't whining. They weren't complaining. In any ways, they were just dealing with the facts. Here is what the situation is. Okay, so everybody get that? You have a problem, be in church. Well, what if the problem is at church? Stay at church. Unless there's a doctrinal problem, just stay at church and work through it. Because if you allow a problem to cause you to leave, I guarantee you're going to find a problem somewhere else as well. It'd be better just to deal with it. But in any case, that's what they did. They, they came back to the church and they dealt with the situation as it is. I, I noticed this. They did not take the matter lightly. They didn't take it lightly. They didn't dismiss it. They did not overlook it and say, well, you know, that's just the Sanhedrin. They'll get over it. I mean, this is the governing body of their day. It was the Supreme Court. So they, they did not, they didn't act like everything was okay. Right? Are you seeing this? They didn't act like everything was okay. They didn't overlook it. They did not minimize the problem. They simply did this. They acknowledged to them to the rest of their church there, we, we have encountered a, a situation here uh, and told them what happened there at the temple and how that the people were rejoicing, the Sadducees were not, and how that they threatened them and told us that we are no longer to preach in their name, just very matter-of-factly. So they did not take the matter lightly. At the same time, they did not exaggerate the problem. They did not exaggerate the problem. They did not blow it out of proportion. They didn't say, our church is now surrounded. Sadducees are everywhere. 
run for your lives. You know, they didn't exaggerate the problem. They didn't start running around in a panic. They didn't load up their belongings and head to the mountains. You getting this? They didn't. In other words, they did not add drama to the situation. The situation came with enough drama as it is, and it did not need extra drama. You know, I, I just find this to be some good practical stuff for life. Because you're going to have problems. Don't, don't overlook problems and act like they're not there because then you're not dealing with them. But at the same time, don't add drama to the problems and make it bigger than what it is and start giving up and thinking, I can't go on and this is terrible. And No, they were very balanced. They dealt with the matter as it was. They were so convinced that preaching Jesus' resurrection was an essential message that they were willing to face whatever opposition that may bring. That's what they were convinced to do. In fact, they even asked for more. God, would you heal some more people? God, would you give us some more opportunities to preach? And, and God, I, I like this, they did not pray for deliverance. They prayed for boldness. Do you hear the difference? They prayed for boldness. And that leads into the second point here. Okay, so they dealt with the problem as it is. Everybody get that one? Well, that was a quick point. almost feel like I have more to say there, but I'm going to keep moving on. And, but, uh, you know, I think that that's a good rule of, of life is just deal with things as they are. And then number two, when you encounter opposition, turn to God in, honest, in earnest prayer. Turn to God in earnest prayer. They turn to God. That's a right thing to do in the midst of life's problems. Simply turn to God. They most certainly did. And they, again, they asked for boldness. You know, um, when Hezekiah, king of Israel, was uh, threatened by Sennacherib, the king of Assyria... By a, a threatening letter. He sent a letter, and I, I love what the Bible says. He took that letter and he spread it out before the Lord. He just spread it before the Lord. Lord, here's, here's what Shenechariah is saying God, would you deliver us? That was his, his situation, and he just simply prayed, God, you know what they've said, you know what has been said, you know what their threats are. God, I'm just going to trust you with this. Hey, look, you know, that's the best way for us to handle things of life. Just spread it out before God and let God take care of it. He spread it out before the Lord, but he prayed for deliverance. God, please deliver us from our enemies. But you know, what I find here in this, in this church, this early church, as they encountered these problems, they were not praying this way. God, please deliver us from problems. You know, that's how we often pray, isn't it? God, I don't like this. This is difficult. Please deliver us from problems. But, but look, here's the, here's the point that they were facing. The problem was not going to go away. The culture was not going to suddenly become favorable to the preaching of the gospel. The administration there was not going to change their minds. And yet the gospel had to be preached. And so they, instead of praying for deliverance from it and that God might come and take them out by helicopter, right? Though sometimes that sounds pretty good. Be glad just to be out of here. 
be in heaven, I, that would be a lot, lot better. Amen. Isn't that the truth? But God has us here for such a time as this. And it's not time for us to pray, God, please deliver us. I mean, we pray, even so come Lord Jesus. And that's a right and godly prayer to pray. But it's not time for us to, to pray for deliverance or to back away from the battle. But rather, what we need to see is that Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It's not time to back up. We are not on the defense, but rather, actually, we are on the offense. And what we need to pray is, God, please give us in the midst of these days. And it does not look like our culture is going to become more open to the gospel anytime soon. And it doesn't look like we're going to be delivered from that. So, God, we're not praying for deliverance here. But what we are praying for is holy boldness. I believe that needs to be our prayer. Not, God, please deliver us, but, God, please help us to charge Move forward as a church. They prayed earnestly. Let's look again at their prayer in verse number 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Hey, listen, the problems that came to the church, instead of dividing them, it's united them. It brought them together. You remember the uh, message Brother Terry Unruh preached back at our missions conference this past year. Prayer that bends us. He said, prayer that bends us is prayer that recognizes who God is. Prayer that bends us is, that causes us to come low, to be in a place where we can receive God's help, is prayer that has a soul-winning purpose. Then he said this, prayer that bends us is prayer that is answered. And they certainly saw answered prayer. I believe if we're going to see great things taking place, we've got to be a praying church. If we're going to see the gospel moving forward in this city... We've got to be a praying church, most certainly. In fact, this past week, Brother Davison just preached at chapel, and he preached about uh, how, that, how that David rejoiced when the, Ar- the Ark of the Covenant came back into Jerusalem. But then he backed us up into First Chronicles 14, two chapters earlier, and how that the Philistines had come against Israel. And David uh, inquired of the Lord, shall I go up? And God said, go, and I'll deliver them into your hands. And he went, and God gave a great victory. But then the enemy came again. The Philistines came once again, which, by the way, the enemy does not give up after that first attack. He's going to come again, and then and even again. And so David was wise to do this. Shall I go up? He inquired again of the Lord. And a good thing he did, because God said, this time I want you to wait. And wait until after there's a going in the mulberry trees. And so he had to wait, and then they were able to advance. But the point uh, that Brother Sam made, I think, is a very good point, that they would not have been at that place of rejoicing in First Chronicles 16 had they not been at a place of praying in First Chronicles 14. And if we're going to be at a place of, of rejoicing and praising God and giving thanks for what he's doing in the life of this church and the, and the souls saved and lives changed and people added to the church, if we're going to have those times of rejoicing, then listen, what we need to remember and keep in mind is that we must have those times of praying, seeking the face of God. And that leads to those times of victory. This was a time for prayer in the life of the church. And thus they lifted up their voice to God. They took to heart that the Lord, He is God. That's what they needed to know in the midst of problems. You know, when you encounter problems, you need to remember this. The Lord, He's still God. The Lord, He is God. He made heaven. 
I thought about it this way as they were praying, Lord, thou art God, which made heaven and earth. The Sanhedrin did not. They weren't of authority to make heaven and earth, but God, you did. God, they, did, they didn't make the sea, but you did. God, they didn't make all the creatures in the sea, but you did. Hey, listen, if you're having an issue with someone and there's, there's some problems and you're encountering, encountering some difficulties, look, it's not even really your fight to fight. It's God's situation. You just need to make sure you stay humble in a place that he can bless. And he's the one that made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who's going to be better able to handle this situation anyways? Obviously, God is. Another thing they did here is that the, in, in conjunction with their prayer... They considered what the Lord had said. Look at verse number 25 and 26. Who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? He went back to Psalm 2. They remember the words of Psalm 2, this messianic song. Why will the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Why would he call them vain things? Well, it's vain things because... The people of the earth think that they can rise up against the Lord and, and his Christ, and that's pretty empty. It's vain. It's not going to materialize. They imagine a vain thing like they're going to be able to have power over what God does. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, it says in verse number uh, 26. And then what they did, they considered what God had said, but then they also, in their prayer, they considered how what God said applied to their lives. God, here's what you've said. Here's how it has applied to the life of recent days. In verse number 27, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. You know what they're saying? God, your word has been fulfilled just like you said it would be. They did rise up against your child. They did rise up in opposition. Look at verse 28. Here's what they did also. They acknowledged God's sovereignty in the midst of their troubles. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. They're praying this and they're saying, God, it's happened just like you said it would. They have risen up against Messiah, but they didn't tie your hands. In fact, your hand is still at work. Now, it's not, it's not that they were saying God, God's hand caused the wickedness. God is not the author of evil. He's not the author of wickedness. But God is able to overrule when men try to rule. And thus he's even able to take what men by their wicked devices and wicked hands would do. He's able to take that and make something amazing out of it. In fact, he's able to take our messes and make masterpieces. Praise his name that he does that. But what they're acknowledging here is this. In the midst of this problem, as we're encountering these difficulties, and we're trying to deal with things as they are, and we're coming before God in prayer, I want to acknowledge this. God is still God, and He's still sovereign. And even though I'm encountering this difficulty, that does not mean that God is not in control. It was assuring to them as they prayed that. And thus, through this avenue of prayer, in verse number 29 and 30, they brought the matter before the Lord. Look at verse number 29 again. And now, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. I like that. And now, Lord, behold. Lord, here's our situation. 
We know your mighty power. And now, Lord, behold. You know, I think that's the right way to go with that. But you know what we're tempted to do? And now, Facebook friends, behold. (laughs) Behold what they have said. Behold what they have done. No, that's not what they did. Now, they came and they told the problems to other spiritual people, but spiritual people know what to do with problems. They bring it before God. So, just thought I'd throw that in there. Before you run to Facebook, Facebook friends, make sure you're on your face before you're true, friend, and the Lord God. They said, and now, Lord, behold. Yep. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, the next verses there shows how that God heard their prayer. He, they prayed for boldness, as we saw. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They were praying in all actuality. They were praying for God to continue his good work, even if it brought them problems. And God answered their prayer. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, can you imagine this? The place was shaken where they were assembled together. Earthquake, whatever it was that took place here, the, the place that was manifesting the presence of God. You know, a few uh, months back we had the earthquake here, shook this building. I'd like to tell you that I was in prayer and that's what brought it on, but that's not anywhere near what it was. I was wondering what in the world had happened. But here, here they were, they prayed, and immediately after they prayed, the whole place shook. You know what God was saying? God was saying, they may be trying to shake you, but I have mighty power over theirs. Don't be shaken. I'm with you. And thus they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. When you encounter opposition or problems along the way of serving God, make sure you deal with the situation as it is. Don't minimize it, but also don't exaggerate it. But here's what you ought to do. Number two, make sure that when you encounter opposition, that you bring it before the Lord. And now, Lord, behold. And now, Lord, behold. I'm so glad he invites us to come. I'm so glad he doesn't say, now, look, you've already been here once before today. I'm so glad that he's open to us coming to him time and time again, a place where until we may continually resort. So when you encounter opposition, make sure you bring it before God in prayer and ask others to come along with you to pray. Don't ask them to come along with you in prayer if you're just meaning to gossip. But ask them to come along with you in prayer because it is a matter that's going to take the intervention of God. Number three, when you encounter opposition, you should continue doing your part to give witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you encounter opposition, just continue to do your part in giving witness. In other words, just get back to preaching the gospel. When you encounter trouble, when you encounter trouble, you know these problems, they could have distracted them from the work. Problems have a way of consuming your mind. They have a way of distracting you and getting you away from the main thing. And, and uh, I know that it's been emphasized here at this church, keep the main thing the main thing. And what is the main thing? Well, the main thing is that people hear the gospel of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And we're going to face opposition. There's going to be difficult times that come our way. And you may in your own personal life have some problems. But look, don't get so consumed on your problem and think about only how it affects you. Because really the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees had a bigger problem than what the, than what the apostles did. They were not ready to stand before God. The Sanhedrin was not. They were not prepared to, to face eternity. The apostles were. When you really you weigh this thing out in terms of who has the greatest problem, here the apostles are and the, and the Sanhedrin is telling them, don't preach in his name anymore or we'll beat you. Who it really has the biggest problem. The Sanhedrin, unless they would repent and turn to Christ, will spend all of eternity in hell. Who has the biggest problem? Well, the biggest problem is not in the part of the disciples, but rather the Sadducees. And thus, I love verse 32 through 37. I see this in verse number 32. They were united as a church in a time when they could have been divided. They were united in a time when they could have been divided. They could have said, you know, this is too much pressure. I can't handle it. I'm out of here. Some of them could have done that. But instead of being divided, they were united. And when the church gets united, that's when the gospel goes forward. Yep. Watch this in verse 32. They were unselfish when they could have been easily selfish. They were unselfish. It talks about how that they, how that they had all things common and, and were there to help one another. It's not communism. It's just biblical Christianity helping those that are in need. They were unselfish when they could have easily been selfish. Verse 33, they were vocal when it would have been easier to be silent. Look at verse 33. It says, and with great power gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. They were vocal when it would have been easier to be silent. You know, at your workplace and, and in your neighborhood and here in this community and in this nation, it's, it's at a place and it may even get more so at a place that it'd be easier for you to be quiet about your faith than vocal. But God's plan for us is to go boldly. Not arrogantly and not in a harsh and critical spirit, but boldness simply means this. Sometimes we get boldness mixed up and think that if, if you're not rude, you're not bold. No, that's not it at all. Bold simply means this, open, convinced to the point of being very clear. And so they were vocal at a time when they could have been silent. And then in verse 34 through 37, they were generous when they could have been stingy. When it could have been advantageous to be stingy. So they were missions minded when they could have been self-protective. Instead of closing up and saying, okay, well, we just have to hunker down here and, and stay in this place of hiding and become a compound. Instead of doing that, they would just went right back out in the street and started preaching Christ again. Because they considered their, the problems of others that did not have the gospel to be greater than the problems they would encounter in the process of sharing the gospel. So when this early church encountered opposition, here's what they did. They dealt with the problem as it was. They prayed, and then they continued doing the work that God gave them to do. How about you? You're going to be facing some problems along the journey of life. What should you do? Make sure you deal with it as it is. Make sure you take it to the appropriate people. 
Don't post it everywhere on Facebook if it's not everybody's business. Take it to the Lord. Spread it out before Him and say, And now, Lord, behold. Deal with it in an appropriate way. Work to make problems smaller rather than to make problems larger. Deal with it in an appropriate way by prayer. But then this, I think this is a great admonition for all of us. Don't let the problems of life, and even the problems that come by way of of fulfilling your mission, keep you from your mission, from spreading the gospel. Are you facing some problems? Are we as a church facing some problems? Or will we face problems and encounter some difficulties as we share the gospel? I'm telling you, Satan's not going to sit idly by while we try to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to encounter problems. What should we do? Pray to the God of heaven and then go forth being bold in witnessing. And not allow the problems of life to distract us, but just get right back and ask God to keep doing more. Even if it brings more heat, God, please keep doing more for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together tonight. What do you do when you face opposition? Are you facing opposition at work between individuals or at home in a family? I believe this could easily apply in a family situation as well. What should you do? Well, deal with the problem as it is. Pray. And then just make sure you keep at the main business of sharing the gospel. And just get back to spreading the word. Father in heaven, I come to you tonight. And I thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness to us. And Lord, you know the problems that they faced then, and you know what problems the church faces now. In this century, in this country, as well as on the foreign field, as we might refer to it, our missionaries and others are facing adversity and difficulty, and we pray for them. We believe you're still the God of heaven and earth. God, would you grant unto these your servants, unto us, that, God, you might help us to be bold with the gospel. God, to trust you and to go forward, declaring the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to be distracted by the problems and issues of life, but to be very focused on you. I thank you that you worked so in the life of Peter and John and all the others. They handled this situation in a very spiritual fashion, and thus the gospel went forward. I pray you'd help us to do the same in Jesus' name. Amen.